0: Good morning and welcome to Leading Edge Medicine with Dr. Jerry Mixon and Dr. Samira Umat. Leading Edge Medicine is sponsored by Longevity Medical Clinics and is devoted to helping you feel and function better tomorrow than you do today by providing the newest and most advanced medical care designed to improve both your body and your brain. Leading Edge Medicine will keep you informed regarding the very latest developments in science and medicine while highlighting some of the Northwest's most prominent physicians, all while helping you separate the science from the silly and the facts from the fiction. This is live call-in radio at its very best, giving you the opportunity to participate in the show. And now, here are your hosts for Leading Edge Medicine, Dr. Jerry Mixon and Dr. Samira Umat, along with their co-host, Lynette Morgan.
1: And good morning. What a great weekend. Here we are ah, right at the tail end. We are getting to the end of March. Can you believe that? We're on the other half. Of I March, say, it's a little early. Be the tail yeah, end, yeah. Not the tail end. That'll be next weekend. But we are after uh, St. Patrick's Day. Yesterday, well, I want to know: Did you wear green? I did. I did. I have photo proof. Okay, I did wear did green. It, did you? No. No. no, no, no well, well, I did
2: I, for half the day and not the other half. Okay. <laughs> well, but I have a green jacket. Oh, yes, you do. And usually the One day I have late, green eyes. We, we, <laughs> you know, well, I wore the green jacket yesterday too. Okay. <laughs> okay. There you go. I just took it
1: off. There we go. And uh, guest doctor in the studio. Along with Dr. Jerry Mixon and Dr. Samira Umat, we have Dr. Ruben Maiden. Were you wearing green yesterday, Dr. Maiden? Uh, Green is not my color. All it right.
2: doesn't enhance the eyes or the no, face. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: It probably scrubs for uh, too many years. It kind of killed the green for you, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's maybe. actually part of it. Okay, yeah, yeah that, that may do it. So, uh, three doctors in the studio: Doctor Samira Umat, Doctor Brian, uh, Doctor Ruben Maiden, a cardiologist, heart specialist. So, if you've got heart questions, this is the guy to talk to. Enjoy. And Doctor Jerry Mixon here as well. It is a full house and. Let's just dive right in. I'm going to give the phone number real quick. Go ahead. So, folks that are like, I want to get in with my question, you can make sure that you get through today. Phone lines are wide open. Here is that number today 800 465 8770. That's 800 465 8770. If you'd like to talk to Dr. Ruben Maiden about heart issues, uh, questions, uh, Dr. Mixon and Dr. Umat too. Let's dive right in. What is going on in the medical world, Dr. Mixon? Anything a, new this
3: week?
4: Yeah, a relatively quiet week, actually. Okay. You know, if you you look at monkeypox, fizzled out. There you go. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so
1: COVID, no vaccine for everybody. No, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> it came and went. Well, you oh know, boy,
4: keep people out of your anus. You don't have to worry <laughs> much about monkeypox anyway. There you go. Um, the COVID. Yeah, okay. not really. We have uh, among the lowest levels we've had in the last several years. Good. Even though the emergency is still oh, in force, um, what can I tell you? Politicians are stupid to start with.
1: Um, <laughs> what about RSV? That was a big scare at the beginning. Well, and of the RSV. Winter. You know, we we
4: didn't get much RSV for a couple of years because everybody was isolated and the oh, children yes. didn't, get, didn't get exposed. But you know, as adults, we've all had RSV, uh-huh. um, and there was a burst of it when we all got unmasked and the children started gathering together in school, but it did its thing and it's back pretty much to baseline levels. Okay. You know, so when, as far as the infectious viruses that everybody is panicked about, we're pretty much past that. Good. It, it's an endemic. It, it may flare a bit from here there, to yon, but this year, you know, this winter, when everybody was worried we were going to have a big surge, we just didn't. We didn't. That was good. Yeah. So yeah, you know, we're at less than ten percent of where we were last year this time. So it's a uh, we're, we're in a good place. So you know, all of you folks that are still driving around, wearing your mask in the, in car, the car by, by yourself. yourself, you know, the steering wheel is not going to leap out and get you. Take your mask off and enjoy life.
1: Breathe. <laughs> so you know. There you go. Good. Good. Now, uh, are there, is there any reason we should get a a vaccine booster, a COVID booster at this time? Anybody, maybe a certain group of people? If you
4: are morbidly obese and elderly, then yes. Okay. Um, I'm not. I'm waiting to see. The, the, The current the current variants of COVID that are out there now are basically a cold for the vast majority of people. You know, when I caught COVID this last time, mm-hmm. it was three days of a runny nose.
1: There
5: you go. That
4: was the extent of my illness, and and I caught it on a road trip with my wife and daughter. We were enclosed in a car for five days, and they never turned positive. So I wasn't shedding much virus. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, one of the one of the frauds that came out of the the CDC and the NIH during the COVID was the this concept that people that were asymptomatic and were so mild that they never even knew they were mm. ill would somehow be super spreaders oh. you know if you don't have a disease it's unlikely you're going to spread a disease and having a, you know a, a antibody to a virus does not necessarily mean you have the disease mm. uh, okay. that mm. that's been a concept in medicine for time immemorial you know if your kid doesn't have chickenpox he can't give other kids chicken That's pox. right. doesn't have the measles. He can't he give can't other give kids him. the measles. You know, if you don't have a clinical disease, you're not much of a spreader. Mm. I mean, there are those rare, rare people. There was typhoid Mary back in the <laughs> 1800s. Yes. Know. I mean, nothing done, nothing done nor said by human beings is perfect. Mm. Um, but as a general rule, no. People that were asymptomatic, yes, they may, they may have an antibody. Yes, they're but their immune system suppressed it. And they okay. were not spreading it to everybody around them.
2: All right. You so. know, last time um, we had Dr. Maiden on the show with us, Dr. Mixon, we had asked him about the impact of COVID on the heart and the cardiovascular yes. system. Now that it's the bulk of it is behind us and we're moving forward into another phase, do you want to kind of recap what COVID did with regards to cardiovascular disease? Hmm. Yes. Oh, yes.
6: Um, so... COVID affected the heart in, in various ways, um, one of the most serious ways was caused inflammation of the heart muscle, mm-hmm. and that's called myocarditis. Anything yeah. that ends in itis means inflammation in medicine. Um, myocarditis was sometimes just a syndrome of people having um, an episode of chest pain, shortness of breath, and then ran its course and disappeared. Uh, but some myocarditis is so severe the inflammation actually damages the heart muscle mm. and produces congestive heart failure. And so uh, there are those people who are left after COVID with uh, with a history of myocarditis, and now they have heart failure. Mm. Uh, interestingly, uh, the largest subgroup of this is is younger men. Mm. Really, uh, but we've seen it across both genders, and and we see it across all age groups. Um, And so um, that was one condition. Another condition was inflammation of the lining around the heart, and that's called pericarditis. The pericardium goes around the heart, and that's usually a very self-limited condition that runs its course for a couple weeks, is fairly easily treatable, and really didn't produce any long-term results that we know of, although... Uh, We do know that pericarditis can lead to problems later in life. Years later, the pericardium can become calcified and hard and and won't distend anymore and the heart becomes restricted. And whether there's anything about COVID pericarditis that's going to put people at risk for this long-term condition, we don't know yet. Mm. Um, A third thing that COVID did was it caused blood clots. Mm. And so we had people with uh, blood clots in their arteries causing heart attacks, um, I saw a whole series of uh, young people, often 30s, 40s, men and women, having heart attacks from blood clots out of nowhere uh, during COVID um, and had to open those vessels up with stents and clot extractors. um, and, um those heart attacks are as serious as any other heart attack. Mm. And and the number that I saw was astounding. I remember seeing four in one weekend wow. when COVID was raging.
1: And these are young adult men Well, that you're talking no, about, or young no, adults? We're
6: talking about a different condition. Now. Okay. So that was myocarditis that affected mostly younger adults. And this is the blood clots. Men. This is blood clots. Okay. And affected people of all ages, but uh. mostly younger people. Um, okay. Again, all genders. Um, and so... Um, We've um, been dealing with the aftermath of the the people who've had myocarditis and have had heart attacks. Um, Whether the hearts are going to recover anymore or what the long-term results are from myocarditis and heart failure, I don't know yet. They don't have enough time. Um, But so far, what seems to have happened is, um, is in some people, reversible. You have seen some people now in one year and two years where the hearts have recovered back to normal, and then I have some people continuing with long-term problems. And that's been the course of myocarditis that occurs from other viruses over the course of our history, too. Uh, it seems like the one with COVID has been a lot more prevalent. Um, then the last uh, category that we see in heart is something called dysautonomia. And so after people have COVID, their automatic nervous system doesn't work right. And people will come in with complaints of uh, all I have to do is stand up, and my heart rate goes to 130. Uh-huh. I can't walk upstairs anymore. Um, it's uh, it's a syndrome of the autonomic or automatic nervous system. There are very poor therapies for it. I have some. They're not great, uh-huh. um, but they work reasonably well. They can get some people functional again. I've had some people with this dysautonomia or autonomic dysfunction end up... Um, <laughs> even the point where they have to get around in wheelchairs. And the autonomic dysfunction is also affecting young people, uh, usually 20s, 30s, and more often women than men. So I'm seeing this complaint in a lot of women. And But what I've noticed is that this is common in the population after COVID. I have a lot of patients that say, oh, I had COVID last year. And yes, I, I just can't exercise as well. Mm. My heart goes too fast. Is there something wrong and most of the time, we just try to, if it's not too bad, manage it conservatively. If we need to, we use some medications. And then lastly, I would say that um, the vaccine has caused all of these same issues in much lower frequency, in my experience, uh, in a much milder cases. But then we have a few of those severe, va- severe vaccine reactions. Um, I think the other thing that COVID did, which was not actually an effect of COVID, was it really delayed people from getting proper <clears throat> chronic health care right. for their yes. hearts, their coronary <clears throat> disease, their heart failure. And so we're seeing a surge of what I would think of is after COVID effects on the general health of the population. People were less active, gained more weight, mm-hmm. blood pressures were higher, under higher stress, and that's produced a large impact on uh, the car- the cardiovascular disease. And we we are overwhelmed In medicine, we were overwhelmed in our clinic, trying to manage this surge that came after the first tidal wave.
4: Mm. Okay, and there there is the the interesting question is the actual number of vaccine-triggered COVID-related problems versus the disease, because you they're figuring about 50 percent of the folks that were infected never had a symptom, Mm. so they never. They were not sick. They got infected. Their immune system took care of it. They felt a little maybe under the weather for a couple of days, but never got sick, sick to get, you know, classic COVID. And yet many of them are developing the sequela. Uh, And so it's a little bit hard to sort out which one of those, because many of those people have also had their vaccines, obviously. And was it the vaccine that caused it? Or was it a subclinical case of COVID? Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, Or some combination thereof. Mm -hmm. Maybe you had a subclinical case and the vaccine. So... Right, it's it's really hard to thread you know to sort all this out.
6: It is hard to know in people who have developed long COVID syndrome, mm-hmm. and and I'm mm-hmm. have you talked about this on your program before? A little bit, but not no. not a great. It's, it's basically that the symptoms of some sort that are significant continue after COVID infection resolves. These symptoms can be chronic fatigue, uh, brain fog, etc., and um, it. It makes us wonder, like, Mm -hmm. what to do with long COVID syndrome. But it's interesting that many patients who have long COVID who get the vaccine all of a sudden recover from it mm. and i don't know what that phenomenon is either oh boy something else to I have, research I have huh? a lot to learn
1: <laughs> Boy, realize. and we're still learning you're listening to leading edge medicine my name is lynette and we have several phone callers on the line ready to talk to dr jerry mixon dr samira umath and our guest doctor in the studio today dr ruben maiden specializing in your heart questions we'll be back with more leading edge medicine right after this break
0: stay right there there aging gracefully is a terrible option learn to live to your fullest potential it's a lot more fun call with your question at 1-800-465-8770 that's 800-465-8770
5: stay tuned for more is chronic pain beginning to make your everyday life a challenge? Then consider the only doctor with over 30 years of experience in pain medicine techniques, including stem cell therapy. That's Dr. Daniel Nelson, MD, with Eastside Pain and Regenerative Medicine. Here's what a satisfied patient had to say.
0: Yeah, I started about like a year and a half ago.
6: Uh, I started having some sharp pain in my left hip. It's getting tough to climb upstairs, uh, tough to play with the kids. Everybody was kind of pointing towards the same thing of, you know, you had to get a hip replacement, and Dr. Nelson's great, about saying, hey, you know, there's there's different types of medicine out there that we can help fix this without surgery. Six to eight weeks later, you start to realize, like, oh, I, I can climb a stair it was really actually kind of great after that eight week mark, like I can start doing things. So definitely see the results
5: pretty quick. Don't let pain take control of your life. Consider stem cell therapy with Dr. Daniel Nelson, MD, 425-823-4000. That's 425-823-4000. Or you can find Dr. Daniel Nelson online at danielnelsonmd.com.
7: I think it's a wonderful thing It's and... It's not a reacting after the problems; it's trying to prevent the problems from happening in the first place. And the the thing I like the most about everything that I've learned is it all makes very logical and intuitive sense.
8: I'm gonna sit right down and write myself a letter, papaya, papaya. and make believe it came. From you, I'm going to write words so, so sweet They're going to knock me off of my feet A lot of kisses on the bottom I'll be
1: glad God, I got I them, got them. And we're back. (laughs) We're all smiling in the studio today. Leading Edge Medicine with three doctors here ready to answer your questions at 1-800-465-8770. And we have on the phone, let's see, we've got a heart question right off the bat. Uh, We've got John on the line. Hi there, John. Welcome to Leading Edge Medicine
9: good morning thank you um i had a question about atrial fibrillation i uh about 10 years ago i uh for about a year i suffered what i i guess is called paroxysmal atrial fibrillation because it was it would come and go but um it finally went away and i was wondering uh what could possibly be contributing factors to atrial fibrillation. Um, I was I, ha- I was on a course stupidly for uh, for 90 days prior to that uh, of Cipro, and I wondered maybe if that had an effect somehow on the conductivity of the electrical impulses in uh, in, the, in the heart. Also, uh, I have found that I had some I would. Over the years, like every so often, I, would, I could feel a little bit of it coming on. But the thing that seemed to help me the most with was uh, I take high-dose amounts of potassium and then uh, about, and this is potassium carbonate, so it's not, uh, and then also uh, magnesium. So I was just wondering if, if, you could, if you could comment on that at all.
6: Yes, well, thanks for calling in. You know, uh, atrial fibrillation is actually one of the most complex conditions that we deal with as cardiologists. Uh, There are many, many underlying causes. Um, Some of the biggest causes are uh, high blood pressure um, in terms of frequency. Um, Being significantly overweight is a huge factor, often with undiagnosed or untreated sleep apnea. And um, then there's a whole host of secondary conditions, um, conditions that affect the heart muscle, the heart valves. um, There are metabolic conditions such as thyroid disorders. And, And so I think that it's always hard. When I dive into atrial fibrillation, a lot of times people come to their cardiologist with atrial fibrillation, and the conversation starts and stops with, what are we going to do about the atrial fibrillation? But really the first question to ask is, why is the atrial fibrillation there? Atrial fibrillation in most people is like a symptom, like a cough, and a cough is there for a reason. And that cough could be very benign, like they have a cold, or that cough could be very severe, like they have lung cancer. And it's the same with atrial fibrillation. There are some serious underlying causes that need to be sorted out. But still in half the people, we don't really find a definitive identifiable factor Often it's a perfect storm. I'm overweight. I'm my blood pressure is a little high. I'm under stress. My sugars are running
4: borderline diabetes. Right, (laughs) metabolic
6: syndrome. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of atrial fibrillation and diabetes, and so a lot of times we can't identify a single. identifiable cause.
2: I'm so relieved he hasn't mentioned coffee and chocolate
6: yet.
1: <laughs> oh, good. Yes, yes. We're holding our breath there. Yes. So it is
6: interesting that uh, <laughs> the caffeine probably does not cause atrial fibrillation, although super levels, like in some of the energy drinks, I will trigger someone, but more likely makes it more frequent in people who are prone to it. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't have it, keep going with your coffee and chocolate.
5: Yeah. Uh, and, and your but lay off the, the monster drinks. You're the drinks. best
2: cardiologist yeah on the planet and
6: your, <laughs> and your mochas if you know if I have
4: Jerry. <laughs> I, I have long said that you know when Starbucks came up with the mocha it is <laughs> sugar caffeine chocolate, I mean, if they could add the essence of great sex, it would be the pearls perfect
6: (laughs) I get that so so I don't know why I went away, but you know, atrial fibrillation is a serious disorder because basically one of the chambers of the heart is quivering or fibrillating instead of contracting and that quivering allows blood clots to slowly form inside the heart chamber because it's not contracting and moving blood normally and so the, really the, one of the biggest risks of atrial fibrillation are strokes. And um, so people really have to be very careful when they have atrial fibrillation, having a very a balanced conversation with their doctor. Is their stroke risk higher uh, than their uh, off blood thinners, than their bleeding risk is on blood thinners, mm. and come to uh, a mutual decision about how to proceed? Um, And so when people tell me I had atrial fibrillation years ago and it's gone, I don't know if it's gone Mm. because as we get older, we have less ability to feel our atrial fibrillation. Our heart rates naturally slow down. Um, Our hearts become less sensitive to the sensations, and so a lot of people can be going in and out of atrial fibrillation and not even know it. Mm. So in your case, it might be worth to follow up with a cardiologist, get a monitor done, uh, the might run for two days or seven days, and just see if you're really going in and out of the rhythm and you've just lost sensation that it's occurring because if that's the case, uh, there are treatments for atrial fibrillation that can cure it, for example, ablation. Uh-huh. There are meds that can suppress it. And, and if it can't be eliminated, uh, blood thinners to protect from strokes in the appropriate person, and it may actually uh, save you uh, a stroke in the future that you don't know, is potentially brewing, so I'm so glad you called in. What
2: yes. do you think of the newer iPhone watches that'll uh, tell you when your cardiac rhythm is in AFib without your being
6: symptomatic or wanting to take a, a strip or you know mm-hmm. record it? Yes, yeah, so uh, in, in some people, people, for example, the Collar John, that could be very effective mm. because if someone has a higher risk of being atrial fibrillation, the watches have a higher accuracy Mm. Mm. it's all the noise in people the masses of people who don't have atrial fibrillation but get artifact or high heart rate and so someone who's at low risk uh, and i see this all the time someone comes in because i'm 30 years old my watch said i had atrial fibrillation Mm. and i look at the strips and it's not atrial fibrillation Mm. they were moving around and the watch picked up movement so it's it's very, very sensitive for atrial fibrillation. It'll pick it up if it's there. But the watches are not specific. Yeah. So a lot of times it tells you you have something and you don't. So if your watch says you have it you know, next thing is to check it out. Keep the recording, right? And oh. check it out.
2: I uh, see it of value on people who are diagnosed with AFib oh, but okay. are still being monitored and not medically treated right now to see whether you know they become worse or need medication or not. And
4: I had to turn the the cardiac monitor on my watch off. You oh, did? Oh, okay? Because it kept telling me I had fallen. Oh, you know, and you couldn't uh, get uh, up. Well, know when I'm skiing and You're stuff. You're falling. Okay. I do a fast turn. I do a mogul. I do a jump. And all of yeah. a sudden it says, you've fallen. Do you need help? Uh. Ah. leave tell tell me alone,
1: dammit.
6: No. <laughs> does it tell you you have no memory of your fall? <laughs> <laughs>
5: okay. Oh,
1: boy. All right, John, I hope that is some good information for you concerning AFib. And thank you for that, Dr. Maiden. Uh, we're going to take another call this time. Carol is on the line. Carol calling in from Bothell. Hi there. Good morning, Carol. Hello, Carol. Carol? Hi. Hi. Uh, thank you, Dr. Mixon, for telling us
3: about the water distiller. We we bought ours from H2O Labs that has uh, no uh, plastic parts touching the water. We're very Good. thankful about that because we want to avoid microplastics, and then we read in the Seattle Times about... How we need to avoid uh, drinking uh, forever chemicals. But the question I have is about acrylamides. We heard from a medical anthropologist, Sidney Ross Singer, who has a PhD in biochemistry and a PhD in anthropology from Duke University. And he says that uh, our favorite foods are riddled with acrylamides, a chemical that is considered a nerve poison or carcinogen and causes reproductive Harm, probably also cardiac problems. So um, he says anything that's cooked over uh, 207, mm-hmm. 40 degrees uh, well, causes. Especially
5: your morning economized.
3: toast.
4: Ah,
5: yes. yeah,
3: morning toast. So what can we do <laughs> yeah. uh, to avoid this? Uh, because we like to eat a lot of vegetables and so forth, and we stir mm-hmm. fry. And he says the best way to. Uh, cook anything is to boil or to steam and i can i can 't see how we can continue cooking just that way what 's your suggestion?
4: I don't know. Um, okay, let me tell you uh, my own approach to acrylamides. Is, it's pretty simple, I guess.
1: And what are acrylamides, doctor? They're basically... The they're burnt ca- stuff on toast? Yes. Okay, burnt stuff and, on blackened chicken, all those... Burnt stuff on any barbecue. Food, basically. Okay, uh, that if, is bad. If you overheat... Tastes good, but bad.
4: If you overheat any carbohydrate, and that okay. includes these nice, healthy vegetables, it mm-hmm. includes your toast, it includes, you know, whatever. Okay. and And even worse is when you overheat meat. That's, that's not truly acrylamides, but those are carcinogens that raise your risk of colon cancer dramatically. Okay. And so we don't
1: want these you, things. Uh, okay. So
4: you should not be grilling your meat at high temperature. Okay. So basically overheating food. Okay. The, you know, we evolved from creatures that, uh, did not have our modern cooking conveniences.
1: <laughs> the air fryer. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> and so, you know, they, they would, heat it, but not the way we eat it. Um, so we, we were just not designed to, to eat that much in the way of, of overheated food for as long as we we're eating it. And the other problem, of course, is that we live so much longer. Things that when the, when the human lifespan was in the low 30s to, to 40-ish, um, even, even acrylamides had very little chance of killing you off. Mm, okay. But now we live long enough that things that would not bother us when a short lifespan are causing complications wow. in our longer
1: lifespan. Is it because they're building up over years yes, time and time? We're, and- we're
4: exposed to them for decades longer than our ancestors could have possibly been exposed. Okay. And so, you know, time and intensity both have a have an impact on us. So if you're going to have your morning toast... Make it a light toast. Don't okay. overheat it. Okay. Um, my wife bakes, makes bread, but she steams bread instead of baking bread.
1: Ah. Because
4: the crust on baked bread is very rich in acrylamides, and so she just steams it. Okay, uh, and it comes out really tasty and chewy and makes a, a great bread when you do it as a steam. Uh,
2: Apparently, all the roasted coffee beans also
4: have acrylamide. I'm they not- are. And the darker the roast, yeah. the worse. Ah, yeah. 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 So light roasts are better, yeah. you know, um, which is one of the reasons that some people love green coffee extract because yes. it's coffee's Uh-oh. got a lot of really good things in it that yeah. help protect your brain and yep. so on, and the got anti-cancer. But when you... When you overheat them, yeah. and the darker and the longer you heat them, the more of the bad stuff it develops. So, you know, I, I can understand on a, on a intellectual, uh, viewpoint, this concept of raw foods, you know, yes, you're not going to, to overheat the food. You're not going to cause the chemical changes that cause a lot of our issues. On the other hand, I prefer my meat cooked. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you know,
1: steak tartare is not, not the my same. Thing. No. Um, no, Right. So, in terms of
6: heart disease, yes, you know, uh, certainly the the concerns in science about acrylamides are, are a, lot, a lot more cancer yeah. than yes. heart. But acrylamides increase oxidative stress, and and there are association studies showing high acrylamide exposure increases cardiovascular risk whether it causes cardiovascular disease or not is a little best less certain it would be a complicated thing to sort out but uh, there are lots of healthy reasons to keep exposure low
1: that's good all right and carol it sounds like you had the information you just wanted us to explain it just a bit more with the doctors is that right that's right. Thank you very much. Oh, and uh, thank you. Sure, what a great question today, Carol. All right. You're listening to Leading Edge Medicine, taking a quick break, then back with more phone callers. Dr. Mixon, Dr. Umat, and Dr. Ruben Maiden, a heart specialist, cardiologist, in our studio today. And we would love to hear from you. Phone lines are open. Here's that number to get through. 800-465-8770. We'll be back.
0: Leading-edge medicine. Listen to past programs by going to lmclinic.com. Call in now at 1-800-465-8770. That's
8: 800-465-8770. Pete Talbot here again for a good friend of mine. Dr. Michael Gilbert of Northwest Vision Institute in Bellevue and Kirkland. My wife, Vicki, and I have been seeing him for over 20 years. But most importantly, Michael and his entire medical team are simply amazing, offering what virtually no other clinics offer, an advanced ocular exam. Honestly, it's like Dr. McCoy on Star Trek compared to the typical eye exam you're used to. For nearly 40 years now, I've been researching and interviewing physicians throughout the country, and I can tell you... Whether it's LASIK, RLE, refractive cataract surgery, retina or dry eye problems, without question, Dr. Gilbert and all the doctors at Northwest Vision Institute are some of the most advanced in the Pacific Northwest. To schedule your advanced ocular exam, go to nwvision.com nwvision.com, or you can call 425-450-2020. 425-450-2020.
9: I finally went and took that free test, and it didn't hurt. I went ahead and, and uh, moved forward with uh, genetic testing and inflammatory markers and stuff like that, so I'm encouraged to see what those results are. So how would this work for my father at 80 years old?
1: Good morning, leading edge medicine on the airwaves with you I'm Lynette along with doctors Jerry Nixon, Dr. Samira Umath and talking about the heart today focusing on your heart doctor Ruben Maiden this is the day to call in with your heart questions 800-465-8770 and I believe that is what Jan is doing Jan you had a question for the doctor today good morning thank you for calling in
7: good morning Yes, um, I am seventy-eight, and I'm five foot eight, and I weigh one hundred and forty-five pounds, which is thin. I mean, Twiggy, yes, Uh Mm -hmm. yeah. My blood pressure is one thirty-four over eighty-four as of last week when I was in to see the cardiac specialist. Weight, yeah, I gave you that. My HDL is 79, my LDL is 92. I have a total of 171. However, uh, I have problems with my heart. Um, And they've done several tests and I was scheduled for a nuclear stress, they call it a nuclear stress uh, exam, but that was canceled due to a, a gal, the gal that operates it. And I couldn't get in for another month. Um, and the, the doctors, after seeing my calcium score, which was another test that came back, it was very high and they uh, and so they think that we should forego the, the nuclear test and go right to a um, co- coronary angiogram with cardiac catheterization and angioplasties due to the calcium score. So my question is what causes calcium in the arteries? Um, I, what I've been able to pick up is y- your, your HDL and LDL can be high that can cause the plaque to build up. Um, I, I guess that's my first
1: question. Okay. Another. <clears throat> okay, let's address that first with Dr. Maiden. So, I can give him my score. What was your score? Mm-hmm. 563.
6: That is high. Total.
1: <laughs> okay, right. high calcium. Is calcium the same thing as plaque, Dr. Maiden?
6: Um, I'll come to that in a moment. Okay, let's find out about this. I think my most important question for you, are you having symptoms from your heart?
7: Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. Just walking across the room, I get out of breath.
6: Mm -hmm. So your doctors Um, are suspecting... A
7: little bit of tightness in my chest, but, but nothing painful.
6: Right, and how long has that been going on for?
7: Since shortness of breath started, probably, uh, it started out slowly, but probably it's been a month.
6: A month, and it started slowly, so you're getting it more started, symptoms. You, so you said it started, it started slowly. Worse, so yeah. are you getting are you getting more symptoms as the month has gone on? Yes. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, what you're describing is uh, classic symptoms oh, me of... Oh,
7: let Oh, let, let let me add that the doctor, um, when I had the first when it first started, I couldn't lay down without um, it because I couldn't breathe very well, mm-hmm. and that's what got me into the doctor. My primary got me right over to the Perfect. cardiac specialist.
6: Well, wow, so I, I'd um, like to make these comments, if I may. Okay, if we could, sure. we could pa- pause for a moment. So you're describing classic heart symptoms of a blockage, maybe severe blockage the way it has come on recently. It may be accelerating and that breathlessness lying down may be a sign of congestive heart failure. And so this is a potentially, uh, the shortness of breath lying down may be a sign of congestive heart failure. In other words, the blockage may be causing a severe stress on your heart. So everything you've described to me is concerning. And typically, I, I can't give you direct medical advice. I don't know all the details of your story or case. Uh, but typically, I would take a patient like you straight to the catheterization lab and not do a nuclear stress test or another stress test. Um, the probability that you have something severe is very high and that it could be concerning or threatening is very uh, prominent. And so I would say that um, um, my advice would be to always listen to your doctors. It sounds to me like they're right on and that, um, and that if you have accelerating symptoms, prolonged symptoms, severe symptoms between now and the time of your angiogram, I would recommend you go to an emergency room uh, or if it's ongoing symptoms, call 911 and, and take care of this because this sounds to me like what we call unstable angina. And and that's a that's a serious condition, so I want to make sure you've heard that, and then I'll talk to you a little bit about how blockage forms. Okay. Okay. All right. Good. I should so,
7: add that I have three three leaky valves, and a mm-hmm. aorta dilation. Mm-hmm. Of, it went from four point one to four point five, but the test came back, and uh, one of the tests that said it's.
6: Stable. Right. So, uh, stable aorta is great, and and that doesn't change anything I have just said.
7: Okay.
6: So, so, I want to make sure oh. that you, you've. I want to make sure that you've heard the advice I've given you. Okay. Okay. You don't have yes, to do I what I say. You have to do what I say. I just want to make sure you're hearing me. Okay. Let's.
4: No. No. Let me okay. interject. Okay. If you are smart, you will do exactly what he said. You will get in yeah. as quickly as possible. And let them do something about this because you could die. Okay, I mean I'm going to be blunt. Uh, The symptoms you are giving us scare the hell out of me, and you could die. Go get it taken care of. (laughs) Don't wait around. Okay, right. And
6: and if Good, and severe symptoms between now and then, don't wait it out. Just go to the ER, Mm -hmm. especially if you can go to the ER where you're scheduled to have your procedure, that hospital. They'll have all your information. They'll be ready to go. And they'll bump you right to the front of the list. They will. Good. All right, so that's clear. So really, uh, when I see patients, uh, the first thing I ask is, uh, is everything safe, right? Are you safe in this moment? Um, And we have to deal with that first. And then the second question always is, well, how do I keep you safe for the rest of your life, right? How do we keep you healthy? And that's the second question. So let me talk for a moment about coronary calcium. Uh, calcium per se is not the issue. It's cholesterol plaque. And calcium is one component of the plaque. Kind of think about brick and mortar. And the calcium is the, the mortar that helps hold the plaque together. Ooh, um okay. and, and so the calcium's not the problem. The reason you hear so much about coronary calcium is that it's easy to see on a CAT scan. It just stands out bright white, where plaque just blends in with all the other tissues. You can't see plaque. And so when a person has a CAT scan of their chest, their heart, we can see the calcium flex. And if there's calcium, there's there's plaque. There's there's, plaque. There's cholesterol, plaque, and blockage. And so we just use the calcium to grade how likely is there plaque, how much plaque is there, and calcification of the vessel is not really what we're all concerned about.
4: Well, let me put one more little twist on that though. Calcification is indicating that yes, you've had some plaque, but you've got chronic inflammation.
5: Absolutely. Because
4: because the body's response to inflammation is to calcify the tissue and it kind of stabilizes the plaque. So those calcified plaques they're seeing on your CAT scan our old plaque that's been there long enough to get calcified. What scares us is the newer plaque we can't see yes. and that is unstable and could rupture and cause a heart attack today. That's the that's the worry.
6: Mm-hmm. This I want to interject. This is why calcium scans are not very useful on younger people who are suspecting blockage in because they can have blockage but haven't calcified their blockage yet. They're not old enough. Sure. Oh. In fact, studies show that in men under 40, women under 45, probably not a lot of use to a calcium scan because even if plaque is there, we won't see the calcium. Yeah. Right. It's Unless they started
4: calcifying really early in really life. Early, and yeah. Genetic problems. And yeah, so I'm not
6: saying it can never be helpful, but it yeah. often is not. Sure.
4: And, you know, calcification, anywhere in the body you see abnormal calcification, says that that area of the body is inflamed. People come in saying they have bone spurs. Those aren't bone spurs. Those are actually calcification of the ligaments mm-hmm. that are attached to the bones. Okay, So any part of your body that has chronic inflammation, you're going to increase calcification. And so calcium in the heart is just telling us you've got a lot of inflammation for a long period of time.
6: Right. And when people have calcium yeah. scores, the, the higher the score, the more likely there is more severe disease. But it's not a one-to-one correlation. But just to give you a general idea, because people uh, get calcium scores, and their calcium score is 30 or 100, and I'm getting frantic calls to get in to see me, just to give the population a general idea, when a calcium score is 400 or higher, and the total heart or 200 or higher in a single vessel, there's about a 5% chance of a severe blockage, Mm. right? So still, at a score of 400, 95% Ninety-five percent of people don't have a severe blockage yet. Yeah. So, in those of you getting calcium scores, which I highly endorse, ad- I think it's a great way to find out if you have disease you don't know about, because there's so much we can do with prevention. Your clinic does so much with cardiovascular prevention. I love that. Uh, there's so much that can be done, but um, but it's not a time to panic.
2: No, I have somebody with a calcium score of 1,100, and he's under the care of a cardiologist, but he's being monitored. He doesn't have any of the symptoms that this lady's describing.
6: Right, yeah. right. Yeah.
4: So the real scare is hey. calcium score high, symptoms present. Then we then
6: put we those move two quickly. together. Yes. Then we move quickly.
4: And, yeah. ma'am, you've got that situation. So, pretty please get so it looked at.
7: What causes calcium to build up? Or what well, causes so I think the-
6: a high. Right. The more important question is what causes plaque to build up in our arteries. And that, of course, can pull in calcium. And it's all the things that you're thinking about. Uh, There's genetic factors, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, tobacco, diabetes, you know, overweight. Uh, The list goes on and on and on about all the things, toxins in our environment, the way we eat in our food, the levels of stress we're under. Uh, all of these things contribute to the buildup of plaque within our vessels. And inflammation from any source is incredibly important. If you have a chronic source of inflammation in your body and you have a uh, concern about building up cholesterol plaque, deal with the inflammation. You know, if you have foods that irritate your allergies, don't eat them. If you have an allergy to your cat, don't sleep with it by your face. I mean, it's like, what? <laughs> deal Aww. with deal with your inflammation. And one of the biggest sources of inflammation is being overweight. The the abdomen... The number one. The visceral fat makes over 20 inflammatory factors. It's not an inert storage facility. It's a very active metabolic system creating inflammation.
4: Doctors don't give a damn about your beach body. That's right. What we
6: are worried about,
4: though, is what that fat does to people. But this lady is Twiggy. She's nice and thin, so that's not hers. But... America writ large, if I could make one change in our society, it would be we would become a lean society. We cut our medical bills in half in this country if we were just lean.
1: There you go. I agree. Okay, the doctor's agreeing. And yes, (laughs) Dr. U Medicine, yes. Jen, I hope that is helpful for you. We have to go to break right now. Thank you so much for your call, okay? Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You bet. All right. right. You're tuned in to Leading Edge Medicine, and we will be back with Dr. Ruben Maiden, our heart specialist today answering your questions, Dr. Jerry Mixon and Dr. Samira Umat. We will be right back. Don't go away.
0: leading edge medicine leading edge medicine don't believe the lie that you have to fall apart at the normal rate and see what your options really are that lmclinic.com stay tuned for more
1: Excellent pricing and Excellent customer service. And now, due to our new management oversight and relationship, Longevity Development and Paramount are actually working together to better serve our patients. A team approach to better healthcare. It truly can make a difference. And now, to celebrate and to convince you that we truly feel we can better serve your health needs while saving you money, Paramount has agreed to make an offer to all new patients willing to give Paramount a try. On your first prescription only, Paramount is offering you a 90-day supply for their 30-day cost. That's right, a 90-day prescription for the 30-day cost. All you need to do is call Paramount at 425-251-1660. It's as simple as that. Call 425-251-1660.
7: I've been away for five weeks. I've been in Italy, and i got to tell you, I kind of miss you guys on the weekends. <laughs> you have this uh, rare honesty that you find in Europe but you don't see in the United States. Everybody's too careful about what they say and don't say, and I just love the fact that you tell it like it is.
1: with more leading-edge medicine today. Good morning. My name is Lynette, along with Dr. Jerry Nixon, Dr. Samira Umat, and we have our special guest doctor in the studio talking about the heart, Dr. Ruben Maiden.
6: Thank you. Hey, um, I know your program is here to uh, provide information, uh, education, help people with their health, but I, I really believe that this last caller, Jan, if she heeds our advice, Mm. Uh, the what happened on your program saved a life today. Mm. And I'm so honored to be here with you and um, being able to participate in this kind of uh, discussion with with our, our our audience. Thank you so much. Thank you oh, for coming.
1: Thank you, Dr. Ming. I've been nagging
4: you to come for a long time. Yes. <laughs> I
1: love it. We'll get him in again. Yes, and he's still here, of course, leading edge medicine. Here is the number to get through. Phone lines are open for you at 1-800-465-8770. If you have a question, call now. We'll get you in very soon. 800-465-8770. Headed to Seattle now. Gary is on the line.
5: Good morning. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today, morning.
4: Gary? How can we help?
5: Very good. I do have a, do you have any opinion on a, on a, a supplement, Neprinol?
4: A supplement I
5: N-E-P-R-I-N-A-L?
6: I don't know
1: it.
5: A-F-T?
6: No. I have not heard of it, but I'll quickly scan for it.
1: It's a supplement. What, what is it for, Gary? Yeah, what are they yeah, claiming for,
5: it's it? for it, it? It's for circulatory uh, uh, fitness. It's for uh, cleaning out uh, your uh, circulatory system. Uh, it has a, a netokinase and, oh. and a bunch of enzymes. Okay. And it's um,
4: so the neprinol is a brand name, and it's a it's a yeah. compound that has both netokinase and some some enzymatic uh, yes, components.
5: It, okay. sero, sero. Yeah, So it's uh, septase and it's yeah, and uh, yeah, so yeah, you know, in, I, yeah, so I, yeah.
4: I, I, in anyway. theory, the natokinase makes some sense, but I've never seen a study showing that natokinase in the clinical world had a major impact on anything. So, I know a lot of people buy it, I know the idea is to decrease uh, fibrin clots and and uh, you know, that sort
6: of decrease. So yes, and in terms of, I've looked up neprinol, so I have an idea of what class of um, of supplements this falls into. These are these are um, blood active agents for for inflammation and clotting, like mm-hmm. nattokinase and so natokinase papain and, and seropeptase. These are all. Inhibitors of the of the blood clotting system, and some of the inflammatory pathways. Uh, for me, supplements fall into two categories when I employ them in my practice, um, and one is that do I have a good clinical trial mm-hmm. showing that this has been effective at reducing heart attack, strokes, death, the things that I'm interested in, you know, or is this a supplement that has um, theoretical possibility, based on its actions in the test tube or in animals, and or maybe even inside the blood of humans, but hasn't actually been put through a trial where we see what does it do over the course of years in terms of clinical events. What happens to heart attacks, strokes, and death? And so, I don't know of any studies on nepronol that have shown that in clinical trials it, it reduces events right whether it could be a theoretical benefit that's for you to ultimately decide um, whether it's a value and remember whenever you're on a blood thinner there's going to be bleeding risks you have to take into account your own bleeding risks as an individual have you had a bleeding ulcers before you know do you e- easily bleed when you cut yourself and it doesn't stop it's like taking all those things into account so it's very hard to give you any advice on a supplement Uh, that perhaps doesn't have clinical trials. And if there are clinical trials, I'd be interested to hear what they are.
2: Yeah, there is an open-label study investigation looking into it, Um, but the dose is different than what is in the brand label that you are suggesting. They're talking about three capsules three times a day over a 12-week period, Um, and I'm not sure what the outcome of that study was, but certainly there is a study. Do you you have the study pulled up? I do. I wonder what the outcome was after. uh... Yeah, it's an NIH study. But we can look at it at a break, and we can maybe comment on okay. it after yeah. that. we come back. Yeah. yeah.
1: Will that be helpful for you, Gary? We'll have that's, the doctors look
5: wonderful. at this. All right. Okay. So that's and I, and, and I, just look look report report. I just got a quick that's look at the outcome.
6: I just got a quick look okay, at the outcome. So the outcomes okay. were all biochemical markers in the blood. So there were no chemical. Yeah, outcomes. No, there there uh, were no clinical It uh, was not a clinical yeah. trial. And you couldn't expect a supplement to make a clinical difference in rate of heart attacks, after a three-month trial anyway. No, nothing yes. is going to be... It would be powered. It isn't powered enough for three months. So again, you're looking at biochemical data, not clinical data, and then you just decide if you want to do this.
5: Mm-hmm. Okay. That sounds wonderful. Thanks Thanks for your Thank you, sir.
1: All right. Thank you, Gary, for your call. We will take some more calls in just a moment. The number to call to get through today on our show live with the doctors, 1-800-465-8770. That's 800-465-8770. Of course, the show today being brought to you by Longevity Medical Clinic. And we encourage you, as we have for several years, to come in for that free. Free health analysis appointment. You may be listening going, okay, starting to feel slow, starting to gain weight, starting to, well, mm, be forgetful. And Dr. Mixon, do we want this? No. 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 What do we want, Dr. Mixon? We want to be s- strong. Okay. stronger. Lean,
4: strong, fast, Faster. smart, sexy. That's what we want. Happier. There you go.
1: Happy. And happier. Well, I
4: got to tell you, if you're strong, fast, lean, smart, and sexy, you're happy. There there you go. I've made, I've seen very, very <laughs> few depressed people that were strong, fast, lean, smart, and sexy. There you go. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've seen Dr. Mixon ever come in with a sad look on his face or a oh, not a good nah. day. Always good. And and one of the first steps is to call in to longevity medical clinic, make that health analysis appointment. And it may be kind of scary sounding, but Doctor Umat, what does that entail? It's two tests yeah. and some background information, correct? To get started. That's right. Yeah. We um, basically you'll see either one
2: of our um, health advocates or one of the doctors, mm-hmm. and they'll do two the medical assistants will do two tests for you. They will do a fingerprint blood test to look at hemoglobin A one C level which tells us about glycosylated hemoglobin and the risk for prediabetes and the second test a very important test, not a lot of people offer that, is called InBody where you stand on a machine which basically measures your visceral fat level and the muscle and tells us the ratio and uh, muscle basically is what you want, it's a currency of aging as I keep saying and visceral fat as we've been mentioning all morning today is a pro-inflammatory agent and a risk factor not only for chronic disease but dementia, diabetes, cancer. And um, so you will basically be able to change the trajectory of your future when you know what those numbers
1: are, when when you take action to change those numbers in your favor. And it's so important to know what those numbers are. Uh, You may notice so many people that will call in on our show uh, are giving numbers and the doctors immediately know what that means and if those numbers are good or bad or, hey, you're doing great. Just keep doing what you're doing. But it's what important. we're going to
4: do is we're going to look at those couple of tests. We're also mm-hmm. going to pay a lot of attention to your history because your history will tell us what life has done to you up to this point. Right. And we can put that history together with the those couple of tests. And that will give us a pretty good idea of how how much risk you are at of things really heading south in the future. If we believe that you are at high risk of having bad things happen in the future, Mm -hmm. then we offer you a far more comprehensive set of tests. And that one is is not free. On how, on the other hand, that is about a six hundred dollars. But you end up with about a seventy page printout. Oh yeah. And you sit down with the doctor for a full hour. They go through all of your laboratory and your history, and outline what we think we can do for you over the course of the next few years. And at that point, you get a choice. You can either say, you know. I kind of like the way things are headed. I think getting slow, fat, weak, dumb, and sexless is a great idea.
1: Uh, no, I, <laughs> said I don't, no don't want to be a patient. I don't think so. Or you can say,
4: you know what? I really don't like what time and gravity are doing. Why don't I become a patient and do something about it? Yes. So that second choice is... The one
1: I'd prefer. Absolutely. And this is what you do to get started. It's not scary at all. The staff at Longevity is so wonderful. You will feel right at home, right when you step in the door. And this is what you do. You can either go to our website, which is LM clinic.com that's l m clinic.com or you can give us a call and talk to somebody that will schedule you and get you ready to go 866 86 young that's 866 866- 86 Young. Now, we have three clinics for longevity in Kirkland, Tacoma, and Linwood. We even have Saturday hours for you in the Kirkland Clinic. So find out more, get scheduled on whatever day works for you, and get started and get on your way to a healthier you in this year. Yes, you're going to see a difference in months, in a year, in it two years from now. But you got to make that call, 866 86 Young, or online lmclinic.com. We'll be back with more leading-edge medicine. You stay right there.